0: Warning, this is my disclaimer. I'm gonna. I don't talk about money very often because the Bible doesn't really talk about money very often. But as we're going through the scriptures, sometimes we come across a scripture that discusses finances. Uh, that discusses responsibility. And that's what we're going to touch upon today. It's not the whole message. I don't dwell on the whole message, how much you give. And there's an envelope in front of you. You can go ahead and fill it out. And we don't do that kind of stuff. There's a box in the back. You want to give an offering? That's where you can put your offering. And Everything that comes into the church goes back into the church and into the ministry that God has given us. And we'll talk more about that at the end. But for right now, just know it's going to come up. And it's not because I plan to talk about money today. Um, You know, but we are trying to buy an arena that seats (laughs) 18,000. And, you know, so we need a few extra. No, I'm kidding. We're in Acts chapter 4 today. We um, talked about what was going on there as uh, Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit came, and then Peter and John were walking into the temple at a time of prayer. A lame man was hanging out outside. They healed the lame man and go into the temple together, and they get arrested because they... Healed a lame man and in Jesus' name. That's what they were upset about, Jesus' name. And so uh, today, I'm going to be preaching in Jesus' name. Okay, so if you're offended by the name of Jesus, this is going to be offensive. But you're not here to be offended by the name of Jesus. You're here because of the name of Jesus. That's why we're all gathered together here today. So they prayed After they get arrested, they got set loose. They went back to their friends. They told them what was going on, and they prayed, and the place was shaken. They were filled with the Spirit, and they were filled with boldness, and the grace of God came upon them all. Today's message is titled, All Things, and we continue our study in Acts chapter four with verse 32. Where we read now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And so today I want to practice that. Some of you got it. Some of you are saying, what's he talking about? Come on, let's just. Put everything in a big pile and we'll go ahead and sort it out, right? That's not really what we're talking about here. But there was unity. There was a bond of unity within the church. There's a lot of call for unity in the body of Christ today. Here's the problem. We have to decide and define what the body of Christ means. And who is the body of Christ? Uh, Because there are some people that call themselves Christians that are not part of the body of Christ. They just are the the body of Christ in name. Some of them will put their name on the outside of the building that they are a Jesus Christ church, but they're not. It's not the same Jesus. It's a different Jesus. And so we have to be very careful who we are in unity with. We want to be in unity with like-minded believers that hold to the essentials of the faith. That's important for us. It was important back then. It's important to us today. And so we should always be sure of who we're lining ourselves up with and, and uh, being in unity with. So we're told that they're of one heart and one soul. Do you know that your one heart can only pump one blood? Yours. But they were all of one heart. The heart being an organ that pumps blood. It brings life to the body. Leviticus 17 says, The life of the flesh is in the blood. And so in the body of Christ, the life is in the blood. Except not your stinking blood because our blood isn't good enough for anything. It's Jesus' blood. That's the blood that makes everything possible, his blood. And so when we are in unity, we're in one heart, that one heart is the heart of Christ inside of us that pumps his blood. Because we only have salvation We only have righteousness because of his righteousness. And so, that's the good news for us. While it looks dire from the outside, from the fact that we can't be saved on our own, then what are the other options? Jesus Christ. That's the only other option. It's the only name by which we must be saved. Peter shared that with the... Pharisees and Sadducees, they they didn't like it too much. We're in the blood of Christ, the only sin-free blood that qualifies us to be saved. And because we're in the same heart, well, we should have the same heart's desires, Quite often people read Psalm thirty-seven, four, and they read, Delight yourselves also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Oh, whatever your heart desires, he's going to give you. It's like a Christmas list. Just go ahead and write that out. What, what does your heart desire? That's not what it's talking about. You see, if you just read the first part where it says... Delight yourself also in the Lord. You see, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, then his desires become our desires. Then we desire the same things that he desires. And it's not the desires that I conjure up in my head. It's not the desires that I put on my Christmas list. It's godly desires It's spiritual desires. When we want to know the will of God, that's where it starts. Delighting ourselves in him and then it's easier to identify the will of God because we're delighting in the love of God, in the joy of God, in the law of God, in the peace of God, in the grace of God. When we delight ourselves in those things, it lines us up for the will of God. So, We're in one heart together, and when we have that same heart, it helps us to be focused together on the will of God because we have the same heart, the unity, the desire for the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 32 also speaks about being of one soul, and this means being like minded. So as we have a heart and a desire for the things of God, we should also be like-minded about what those things are. We should be led by the Holy Spirit, and we should be more interested in accomplishing the purposes of God than our own purposes, our own plans. Uh, This is hard in a world that focuses on your plan. You know, you be successful. You know, your greatest opportunities. I'm not going to name books or anything like that, but there are many of them that promote yourself and how you can be successful. And that's not... There's a book I know that actually talks about being successful. Okay, and, and where you can find your greatest success. Here it is. Okay, and, and when we stick with this, while we may not get everything we want, we'll get everything we need. We'll have an abundance of everything we need to live a rich life. Praise the Lord. He continues to show that he is going to do what he's If we're faithful, he's faithful. If we're not, he's still faithful. So because these were new believers, remember, they all got together in this multitude. How many were in this multitude? This was the first mega church. Okay, because the day of Pentecost came. How many were saved in the day of Pentecost? 3,000, right? Then how many were saved when the lame man got healed? 5,000, right? So there's 8,000 men. Okay, there are also their wives, their families. There are many tens of thousands or 10,000 or more of these people. Now, hold on. Some of them didn't live there. They were just there for the holy days. They were just there for the day of Pentecost. So they went home. Some of them, many of them went home. But let's just say there's 5,000 still that are hanging out in Jerusalem. That's a mega church. Okay? When people say, well, they just had little, you know, home fellowships. Really? They must have had some big stinking homes to have that many people in the, the houses. And it wasn't that, they didn't have that many teachers that they can support. And everyone wanted to hear Joel Alstein. (laughs) I'm kidding. Joel wasn't there at the time, although he he may have written a book about it. But here's the thing. Many of the people wanted to hear Peter and John, the ones that were really prominent, right? And and they would get together in this big group. But there were many other great preachers, there were many other disciples that were filled with the Spirit that preached in boldness and that went out there into the crowds and they would preach to these crowds. And so they were all in unity. They were all together. They were all like-minded at this time. Verse 33 And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Power in the resurrection of Jesus. That was the message. That was the primary message they were teaching. Why? Because that's what our faith is built on. If he didn't rise from the dead, then What are we doing here? But he did rise from the dead. He proved that he had power over life and death. And that's why we're here. Because we believe. This is what believing means. It means that we believe not only in who Jesus is in his life, but also who he is in his death. He is God. He rose from the dead. He proved that he had power over life and death. And he lives today within us, in the Holy Spirit, the Comforter that he sent, that dwells within us. And now we have a relationship directly with the God of all creation, because of what, and that's, they they kept it simple. They went right back to their testimony, and what is their testimony? We saw Jesus, we walked with him, and we saw him healing people bringing people back from the dead. We saw all of this with our own eyes. And then we saw them crucify him. And then we saw the empty tomb. And then we saw him come back into the upper room. He just showed up in the middle of the room. Doors were locked, windows closed. And he just showed up in the middle of the room. That was their testimony. And everyone needed to hear that. Everyone needed to understand it was Powerful, it was true. Remember, there were 120 up in that room on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon them and they went out into the streets. There were 120 of them that were out there preaching the good news. They were preaching the glorious works of God out there in the street. And that's what the apostles were doing here. They were sharing their witness and they did it, it says, with Great power. With great with authority of God because God gave them the authority to share these things. And so they had power in it. But guess what? They couldn't do it in their own power. I couldn't come up here week after week and teach in my own power. I'd get burned out. I, I would get frustrated. I would get, you know... Um, Dissuaded. I I would get manipulated by people that say, "Okay, this isn't what you're supposed to be doing." Whew. I still I get calls from people telling me that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, and people that tell try to correct me and my theology and stuff like that. You know that that's okay. People have an opinion and they, they have an idea of what they think, what they believe. And I tell them there are many good churches out there. Go destroy one of those, <laughs> because um, you know. Because here, I I don't want. I just want to preach the gospel. I want the word of God to do the work here. And, and so, as long as the word of God is being preached here, people are being fed. You know, I'm not a good cook, but. The Bible has the best food that we can possibly get. And so, and I'm not cooking it up. I'm just I'm just handing it out. The result was that great grace was upon them all. Great grace. The, the grace of God. That's something. Grace isn't something that we deserve. It isn't something we work for. Grace is the favor of God. And it's poured out on us. And why? Because we're so worthy. Because we're, we're so good. The better you are, the more grace you have. And, and there is no truth to that. God gives his grace to everyone equally. Do you know how I know that it's effective and his grace is powerful? Not because... I am empowered with, you know, strength to do everything that I want to do. And, and uh, no, it's because I'm empowered to do everything that he wants to accomplish. Sometimes I'll go back, listen to a recording or something, or Cheryl will mention to me, you know, you said this. And the te- did I say that? Yeah. Did I really say that? She- yes, you should hear it, you know. <laughs> and then I go back and listen. <gasps> I did say that. You know, and it's like oh, I wasn't aware. But a lot of what takes place here is because of the grace that God has upon my life. It's his grace. And so if you walk away, uh, you know, enjoying the message and stuff like that, I plagiarized. I got it all from here so don't think that it's just because i am the greatest and you know i'm not in competition i'm not in co- i want to share the goodness and the grace of god if you see me living like christ then know that it's because of christ not because of anything that i'm doing so he greatly poured out this grace And they powerfully shared the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with the people. What impact did that have? Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. And laid them at the apostles feet and they distributed to each as anyone had need. How about putting that into action, huh? They weren't selling everything they owned and then giving the money to the apostles. They weren't doing that. They were selling the extra stuff. Hey, you know what? Got a couple of rentals. I'm going to sell one and I'm going to bring all of the proceeds from that and give it there at the feet. it, It It has to go back to the Greek. It has to go back to what the intent was of the author that wrote it. But it's not they sold everything they owned, but whatever they owned and they did sell or they chose to give to the church, they gave it all. They didn't give just pieces and parts. Okay, we'll sell it, give 50% to ourselves, and and then we'll give 50% to God. They were just willing to give all at that time it wasn't a government program, you know, because this isn't socialism, this isn't communism, it's communism. They had all things in common, and they shared to make sure that everyone was taken care of. Can anyone see a problem with that? Oh, well, it's the same problem that socialism and communism has, because it still has to be controlled in one way or another, and things got out of control later on, but at the beginning, because when you're dealing with a group of people this size, and everyone agrees to this, and everyone pitches in, and we all start sharing, everybody's on the same playing level. You know, we don't see one person higher than another. We're all, you know, we we remove all of your names off the back of your chairs. And we are now just meeting together all common. We're all the same. That's how it works. But guess what? What is our call? Our call is to go bring more into the church. Our call is to preach the gospel so that others can be saved. And when we do that, others come in. And they say, what, you're giving stuff away? You're you're just, yep. Just because the Holy Spirit, it just gives us the emphasis in our lives that it's not important for us. It's what he wants to do in our lives. And we just do it. And so when you bring in outsiders, they're not... Saved yet? They haven't been, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're like, "Well, yeah, here I've got some gum. What do I get? You know, I I got a mortgage payment next month. You know, And, and can you see how that happens? Well, that's the problem with socialism. That's the problem with communism. But when it's communism, when everybody truly seeks the best for each other, everyone is provided for. That's how it started. It started that way. There was no one that had need because everyone was, all of the needs were being met. They shared in all things. Verse 36, And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So, what a good thing that this person did, Joseph. Barnabas is another name that he goes by. He gave rid, got rid of this land that he had. Who knows how much it was? Who knows how big it was? But he... Decided, I'm going to take this and I'm going to give it to the apostles. We're going to share of this. First of all, just getting your name in the Bible is kind of cool, huh? Well, Barnabas was in the book of Acts. Twenty-five times his name is mentioned in the book of Acts. Son of encouragement, they called him. He was an encouraging person. He played a big role in the different ministries Paul and Barnabas, Saul and Barnabas, when they went out and they started doing their ministry, he was a great encouragement. Oh, they got into a fight later on, and you know, but he went and took Mark and and left, and then Paul and Silas went off on their own, but that was another work of God. He divided them into two groups so they can do twice as much work to go out. And Barnabas was. One of those in the group. And he was, you know what? Everyone needs encouragement. Everyone needs to be encouraged. There are times when friends contact me when, just out of the blue, and they'll send an encouraging word. Oh, Lord, put you on my heart. I have a friend up in Flagstaff that I haven't seen in decades. Uh, We were high school friends. We Connected on Facebook and started sharing with each other. And he is a, a preacher. And he he's, doesn't have his own church. But he just is an evangelist. He shares the gospel. And he's just an evangelist. He's out there in the world just preaching the word. Up in, up in Flagstaff of all places. And, and uh, you know. And he and I connect. every, And every once in a while I'll get a text from him. Oh, the Lord, put you on my heart. You know, and I just wanted to share. And it's like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. You've had people like that in your life. I want to encourage you. Be that person. Be Barnabas. This morning, out of the blue, one of the, the, the pastors I'm on an email list with sent out a blast just encouraging us today to be ready to go, you know, and, and to bless us as we went out. It was an encouragement, you know, that, hey, get out there and, you know, enjoy the work of God. Enjoy it. This is a joy to be able to share the work of God, to share the love of God and the work that he's doing. It It's not a burden. It's a joy. And so Joseph, Barnabas, was one that, took it upon himself, this is a joy for me, and I want to encourage all of you to feel the same way. It's a joy, and whatever you're going through, whatever struggle, whatever trial you're going through, all of us, by the way, are going through something. All of us. I say that not because I know all the details and personal things going on in each of your lives. I don't. Some of you share them with me. Some of you don't. But all of us are going through something at some point uh, right now, right now. You're either at the beginning of it, you're at the end of it, you're in the middle of it. Whatever the case may be, we're all going through something. And I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I know that as you stay close to him, you're going to come out of it. And then you will be able to be used to bless someone else because you went through it. And so when someone else starts their journey through whatever trial they're going through, you can say, oh, I've been there. Let me tell you how to figure it out. No, don't do that. You just come alongside and you say, the Lord's going to be with you through this whole way. The Lord is going to be with you. I'm going to pray with you and let me let me pray with you right now and you can pray for them so that they can get through that whatever it is that's an encouragement to know that someone is praying for you is an encouraging thing folks there's not a lot you can do for me but pray for me that's the most that you can do for me because that's the most i need right now i just need prayer to stay focused We live in days that are dangerous, that are scary, that are frightening. I want to stay focused on the truth until we're out of here. And so, in the meantime, you can pray for me. I will continue to pray for you. The apostles, they loved the people and they provided for their needs. That's what we're supposed to be doing as a church. We're supposed to be providing for each other. We're supposed to be helping each other. How do I know that? Jesus said so. In John 13, 34, he said, A new commandment I give to you. A new commandment. Well, we talked about the Ten Commandments in the past. We talked about how the law... We don't live by the law. We live by grace. But the law doesn't go away. The law is still there. There are people that are still under the Ten Commandments. But we live by grace. But we're given commandments. And the new commandment that we're given here is that we love one another. Jesus says, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's how people are going to know that we are disciples. Disciples being students of a teacher. That's what a disciple is. And our teacher is Jesus Christ. And we are disciples of Jesus Christ. We're students. And everyone will know that we are disciples of Jesus by the love that we have for one another. You see, he set the example. He lived the example. He came down, and he not only loved his own, but he loved all the people that hated him. Dying on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so we know the kind of love how how many of you feel that way? Father, forgive them for being a jerk because they don't know they're a jerk. I told them they were, but they didn't get it. They didn't believe me. You know? and, and But there's truth to that, isn't it? We try to tell someone what they're doing wrong. And that's Probably not the best thing to do most of the time. But instead, we have to love them and show them the right way to do things. If people see that we love and we love each other. See, in this room, we have this captive audience of Christians. And I will put you to the test because I'm going to say things sometimes that don't sound good that doesn't make you feel comfortable, you still got to love me. If you you can't love me, then, uh, you know, well, you know, it's funny how easy we can excuse others, but sometimes we have the hardest time with the people that are closest to us. Our family members, our spouses. We have a bigger struggle there than we do loving someone else. Because we don't have to love them at home. (laughs) You know, we get to go home. It's just just like, how come we're so much better around grandkids than we were around our own kids? You know, we're just so much more loving and fun and hey, you know, so because they get to go home. You know, but, you know, being around the kids, it's like, You know, you're obviously not a chip off the old block. You know, and sometimes we get critical of what others uh, are doing in their lives because they don't live up to our level of spirituality. They're not as spiritually mature as we expect them to be. Hey, remember, we're not all at the same spiritual level in this place. There are some of you that have been Christians much longer than I have. And some of you not. And some of you that have only been Christians for a short period of time do a better job of loving people than I do. I'll be honest. Because your relationship with God is awesome you know and sometimes I'm, I I'm still I'm still an Italian from Queens you know sometimes I you know I, I can you know come across that way and I'm not going to blame it on being an Italian from Queens I'm a Christian I'm a new creation in Christ so I need to show the same love of Christ no matter where I came from no matter what hole I crawled out of, I still, because I'm a new creation in Christ. So let me show that. Let me prove that by how I live. That's how people are going to know that you're a Christian, by the love that you have for one another. Those who Jesus loved, those who belonged to him, they wanted to share in all things. They believed that sharing was a good thing to do. Because it levels that playing ground. But it also undermines the idea that the wealthy have places of prominence within the church. We have to be sure not to do that to show favoritism uh, to anyone within the body of believers. We don't want to do that as being the administration of the church but we also don't want to do that in the church we don't want to give someone more credit because oh they have donated so much and they have blessed the church with them. we, we don't do that that's one of the reasons why I don't like to know who gives what because if I don't know then I can treat everyone the same and you know the, the money comes in the guys count it. They don't tell me who gave what. And I just know that God has blessed us for another month. And that we've made it through and we, we got the bills paid and we took care of everything. That's what, you know, giving is all about. It's not about, you know, what you get out of it. But there are many blessings. Jesus explained this in his speech in the Mount of Beatitudes. If you saw, um, Matthew uh, worked with him on that um, so that he went out. I'm joking. For those of you that have seen Chosen, you know what I'm talking about. Matthew did not help Jesus with the speech at the Mount of Beatitudes, okay? He, when he did it all, he's God. He doesn't need someone to, you know, test his speeches on. This was a teaching from Jesus. And he said in Luke six thirty-eight. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put back in your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Uh, That's how Jesus said that we should do things. Give, and it'll be given back. So... I take this as being, give, especially the things that are needed. When I give my old lazy boy with the hole in the seat and the burn mark in the cushions, and I give that saying, oh, I'm giving this to the Lord. You know, um, you remember Cain and Abel? You know, the one gift was good, one gift wasn't so good. Lazy boy, not so good. Okay. But we give from our first fruits. We give from what God has blessed us with because none of us have anything that God has not blessed us with. Sometimes we, well, I, I went to school. I got an education. I have a degree. And that's how come I've earned this. Yes, you earned the degree I have to give credit to God because I don't know how in the world I got a degree. Okay? I dropped out of school at 17 years old. And I got a degree in computer science at 30. Uh, so, not that it took me 10 years to get a degree. In computer, I, I got it in 4. But, you see, I waited until I grew up see i became a christian and then i grew up and i realized you know hold on i'm not going to make it in this world unless i have the ability to work and so i got a degree in computer science so i can go out there and then after that i said well i want to go to bible college and i want to learn about the I i didn't go to seminary because I didn't feel that that's where God was calling me. But Bible college is good. Because now I learned what God wanted me to know. And so he used the degree so that I could work and earn a living. And then he also used the Bible college so I can do this. And so this was all part of God's plan. And when I was faithful to do what he wanted me to do, then I was able to accomplish What he wanted me to accomplish. It's all part of his plan. So here is what they were doing there. They were giving everything in so that they could repurpose it and give it out. Fast forward 2,000 years, are we doing the same thing? You know, churches should be providing for people and helping communities. You know, when you give, I'll, I'll give you a quick lesson here. When you give, where does that money go? Some of you may wor- wonder about that. Where does that money go? And, and some of you know already. But if you do, well, you're going to hear it again. We have to pay rent. I don't know if you realize that. Churches are a 501c3. That doesn't mean free. It's not 501 c free. It's 501c3. It just means that you get to write off your donations. That's what that means. Okay, Uh, but we still have to pay rent, we still have to pay utilities, we still have to buy things like lighting and sound systems and, and computers, office supplies. We still have to buy all of that stuff and that's where some of that money goes. It goes into taking care of curriculum for the children's ministry. It goes to knocking out walls and painting and stuff when the children's ministry grows and we need to expand. It goes to taking care of the food that goes out there. I know it, it it's not like manna. It doesn't come on Sunday morning and we just put it out there on the table. Uh, you know, it has to be purchased and brought and, and put out and everything. and And all of these things are part of what... But that's not even touching the spiritual part of the ministry. That's just the basic foundation of what we have as a church. And then we give to missions. We give to people in need. We uh, we don't give to the pastor, by the way. That's not, I don't take a salary from the church. We do have one salaried employee because she administers the church. But But for me, that's not what I'm called for. But... The money goes to where it's needed, back into the church for everything that we do here, the ministries that we have, the events that take place. And they also go to missionaries. We have missionaries in Crete, of all places. There they are, and they are serving in Crete, uh, being a a mission to those people on that island. And and remember what Paul said about Cretans. uh, They were just miserable people. And and our missionaries say, yeah, it's true. (laughs) But they're still there. They've been there for as long as we've been here. They've been faithfully serving there, and we've been providing for them, helping them in their mission out there. We also help each other. You know, just as The church is supposed to have unity and help each other. When we first came into this building, another church gave us money to put that sign, that Calvary Chapel sign, on the front of the building. Another church. And that wasn't cheap. But they paid for it. And we were very blessed to have that. When another church here in town closed down, And the pastor wasn't going to have any money. He didn't know what he was going to do. He didn't know where he was going to go. You helped them and their family make their mortgage payments and make travel arrangements so that they can go and move to their new location. And now he's on staff at another church in Chicago. And so... You know, we help each other. This is part of the ministry. When we see people that need things, we help them. And we, as much as we can. We're a small church. But we do a lot of good things. That's the hand of God. That's what God does. As a pastor, my job is to make sure not only that the spiritual text that goes out from here is accurate, that we are staying true to the word of God. That's my primary mission here is delivering the word of God. My second is being a steward over the things that God has given us. And part of that it is the offerings that come in to this church. And, uh, and I believe that we do a good job. I have people that help and that um, provide insight and encouragement and all of that. But we have to be smart about it. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 5 to provide for the needy. But he also wrote: make sure they're needy. Don't just give out money to anybody that says they're needy. Make sure they're truly needy. Uh, So if you read, you, you read it's all about widows and about who was a widow, what a real widow was. Who qualified to be a widow? In 2 Thessalonians 3, Paul now writes to the church of Thessalonica. Now, you have to understand that this church is grown out of the one we're talking about in Acts, this church in Thessalonica. And he said, he's writing to them saying, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Obviously, they were having problems with people coming in, wanting to take from the church, but not wanting to put anything, any work into the church. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now, those who are such, we command and exhort through the Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. Paul is writing to the church saying, hey, if you can go work, go work. Don't just sit around taking from the church. Go work and eat your own bread. I think he really said your own stinking bread, but they didn't write that in there. He also wrote to Timothy about our needs in 1 Timothy 6.8. He said, and having food and clothing, with these we shall be content.'" Having food and clothing should bring you contentment. That's enough for what you need. Uh, probably, you know, when it's really cold out, you, you think you need a little more, maybe some more clothing. You know, during the summer, you need less clothing and more food. And, and, but God provides it all. God is the provider. We close today considering our offerings to God. As each one gives to the church, a portion of what God provides, we can be sure that God is going to bless whatever we get. He's going to multiply that. As money comes into the church, we've seen how he takes that and multiplies it and blesses others with the money that we give. And, and when we're concerned, oh, should we be given that much? And, and well, let's just do it and see what God will do. He always does. He always does. And so we've been very faithful and making sure that when God says give, we give. Because that's what we're called to do. This isn't a plea for more money. This, this isn't, you know, hey, we need to raise this much. We want to pledge or anything like that. We don't do that. We believe in 2 Corinthians 9, 7 where it says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. I want everyone to be cheerful when they give. I want everyone just to have a cheerful heart about it, knowing that He's the provider that gave it to us in the first place, and then when we give, it's just part of being blessed, and He's going to bless it, and then He's going to bless us for doing it, for being faithful. You know, this isn't one of those health and wealth teachings where, you know, well, if you give, the more you give, the healthier you become, the richer you'll become, you know, and, you, you know, that's not the truth. But um, when you're at peace with what you give, then God blesses you with peace and everything that you need. And sometimes the things that we need um, are our own desires, our own needs and stuff, and they get in the way of what God really wants to bless us with so when we just clear ourselves of uh, the, the idea of what we need and we say I'm, I'm open to whatever Lord I'm open to whatever to do whatever and, and to accept whatever then he alright that's the person I want to use I want to use the person I want to bless the person that's open uh, to my desires my plans doesn't doesn't that sound like the kind of god we serve amen father we